Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. We want to thank you for sharing part of your evening with us, and we do hope that we can give you some good food for thought uh, to think about the next few days as a result of our show tonight. First of all, I'd like to mention that we did have our support group meeting last Monday night, and of course the weather was quite bad, so we didn't have a full house, but we did have uh, several people there, and we had, again, uh, another great meeting with some really great and good conversation. And we do hope that more people from polygamy uh, environment will come to our meetings. We have them on a monthly basis, and we are inviting you to come. Uh, if your life has been touched by polygamy in any way, it's really helpful to be uh, with other people that's from the same kind of a background and talk about the things or just sit in and listen. We have both kinds that come. And so if you have left a polygamist environment, uh, please feel free to come. You can email us for more information about our next uh, group meeting and it's called Life After Polygamy and indeed there is life after polygamy. Another reminder that if you know of any organization or persons who would like to have a tax deduction who may have property that they could donate to provide housing for those who flee from polygamy group environments, would you please give us a call? This really truly is an urgent need and all donations are tax deductible. And, uh, speaking of taxes, Canadian polygamist Winston Blackmore is in the news again. He's in court in Canada facing charges of alleged tax evasion. He had a tough time uh, the other day remembering the names of all of his 25 plus or more uh, wives. And we wonder how easily he'll be able to correctly name all of his 100 plus children, and even more importantly, be able to identify the mothers of each of his children. Don't ever think that polygamy has no victims. On October 27th of 2011, our guest was former Mormon Bishop Earl Erskine. He told the story of how he compared the 1830 Book of Mormon with the current Book of Mormon, and that was the beginning of the beginning of a new life for Bishop Earl. He found some troublesome changes that had been made and began to do some honest uh, study and research and discovered some interesting information. Well, we um, invited Bishop Earl to come back so we could discuss some of those things that he discovered and some of the things that troubled him most. So our, tonight our guest is Bishop Earl and our topic is changes excuse me, in the Book of Mormon texts. So I'd like to introduce and welcome back as our guest tonight, Bishop Earl Erskine. Thanks, Doris. Former Bishop Earl yes, Erskine. Yes, former Bishop, yes. <laughs> but Thanks that, for having me. You're welcome. I'm certainly glad you came and as you got some good information to share. I hope some so. Some powerful information yeah. in, in your own life. Uh, now you, uh, let, before we get started on what we want to talk about, let's talk about the new television program that you are involved in now on TV20. Well, it's really exciting. Uh, there's been thousands, literally thousands of people who have left the church. And sometimes when they leave the LDS church, they, they lose their way. They either become agnostic or atheistic. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, 
and so this it's called the X-Files. It's going to be on, actually, I think it's going to start a week from this Friday at oh. 8 o'clock on the 3rd of February. We're really excited about it. We've, we've interviewed a number of people, and it's, uh, they're people who have been Mormons, who've been Latter-day Saints, mm -hmm. who have transitioned out, and have more importantly found a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So we, we praise God. We, we believe that this is going to touch many hearts. Mm -hmm. that these stories will resonate with people and that they'll have a, uh, be able to think about and, and maybe realize that there is life after Mormonism. Yeah, life yeah. after Mormonism as right. well. And of course, you've been there, done that, so you can yes. you fit right in with yeah. the format yeah, of for what sure. you're doing. Well, great. And if anyone would like to share their story, if they have been LDS and they've come out and now have a, a Christian walk, We'd like to invite them to contact me at exmormonfiles.tv. Exmormonfiles.tv. Right. And I understand that you're looking for some people that have been uh, out of Mormonism and into Christianity for several years. Well, we want as well as the new people. Right. It's quite a transition, as you it as is. you know, and uh, walking into a church with a cross on it and, yeah. and hearing a different kind of a thing. That's very challenging because when the Mormon leaves. They're leaving the true church, yeah, as they think. That's what they're, and and so they've they been have, taught that these other churches are an abomination. Exactly. So they have no respect for that. They yeah. have little respect for the Bible or love, I mean, love for it perhaps, but very little confidence in the Bible. Yeah. And so it's quite a transition. But we, we've, And so we do want people who have been through that mm -hmm. and can share their story. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. So that's next Friday night at 8 PM on God TV willing, 20. as we hear, it's uh, February 3rd at 8 uh -huh. o'clock okay. here on TV 20. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm looking forward to watching that. Yeah. Well, let's get started on what we want to discuss tonight. You, uh, let's start with what you mentioned that you had in your, your uh, reading come across a, sta a Christian statement uh, that you thought was just a little bit well, interesting. Uh, yes, it was a Christian statement that was dated 1832. And I'd like to preface this all by, by just kind of explaining that I was 30 years as an auditor, uh, very logical, analyzed things. Mm -hmm. Things had to make sense to me. And so uh, when I started investigating things, and I found this statement in 1832, I'd like to read that now if we could. I think it'll be up on the screen. Uh -huh. There are two personages who constitute the great matchless governing and supreme power over all things, by whom all things were created and made. They are the Father and the Son, the Father being a personage of spirit, glory, and power, possessing all perfection and fullness, and the Son who is in the bosom of the Father, a personage of tabernacle. He is also the express image and likeness of the personage of the Father, and is called the Son because of the flesh, possessing the same mind with the Father, which mind is the Holy Spirit, that bears record of the Father and the Son, and these three are one. And these three constitute the Godhead and are one, the Father and the Son possessing the same mind, the same wisdom, glory, power, and fullness. Well, I found this statement, believe it or not, in the Lectures of Faith. Oh. Number five, page 48 and 49. This was written and taught in the School of the Prophets in 1832-1833 and was included in the Doctrine and Covenants until... 1921. Wow. Well, that and some other things we'll cover here in just a minute made me start thinking, well, what kind of a, 
God did Joseph Smith believe in? Here he says that God's a spirit, mm -hmm. and he says that uh, God came, and he's called the Son because of the flesh. So that, that started me thinking. And so, but even earlier than that, I had, President Hinckley had given us this challenge in 2005 to read the Book of Mormon by the end of the year. And so I took that challenge and got through it in my regular Book of Mormon. And so I, so I decided to read it again in this little brown 1830. And it is available like a desert book or something. And mm -hmm. I think it's around. And that's really where the differences started happening. And so, so in reading this article of faith, the original lectures of faith, I should yes. say, number five, am I right in saying that the original number five le lecture of faith is an anti-Mormon statement according to contemporary Mormonism? It, it would be. I, we don't believe in the LDS Church. The LDS Church does not believe that God's a spirit. Right. And uh, certainly they don't believe that the three of them are one. It sounds like a Trinity statement, a triune God. Well, pretty close to it. There's, there's, except for they're not the same in the Trinity. They, right. They are, but, but, but it's, the it's fact closer that to the Trinity one, than what they believe now. Yes, it is. So, and so it is relatively, I'd say it was anti-Mormon at this point. Their own doctrine was anti-Mormon. Right. How interesting. Right. A house divided itself against itself <laughs> can't stand, can it? <laughs> Well, and, and so then these changes in the Book of Mormon that surfaced as I started reading through the 1830 uh, kind of illustrate even more that maybe this was the kind of thinking that Joseph Smith had back in, in the 1829, 1830 time frame. Mm -hmm. And I think we have a few of these for, for the mm -hmm. audience as mm -hmm. well. The first one is in 1 Nephi chapter 11, verse 18, 25. It says, Behold, the virgin which thou seest is the mother of God, after the manner of the flesh. Today, that same scripture reads that, Behold, the virgin is the mother of the Son of God, instead of mother of God. And there's a huge difference, doctrinal difference in that. Yeah, I'd say that's a huge doctrinal difference. But it's repeated a couple of more times in First Nephi chapter 11, 21. It says, Behold the Lamb of God, even the Eternal Father. Today it's been changed to read, Yea, even the Son of the Eternal Father. Hmm. In 1 Nephi 11:32, it says, And I looked and beheld the Lamb of God, that he was taken by the people. Yea, the everlasting God was judged of the world. And now it says, Yea, the Son of the everlasting God was, was judged of the world. And then the last one here is in uh, 1 Nephi uh, it's uh, 1340, it says, These last records shall make known to all kindreds, tongues, and people that the Lamb of God is the Eternal Father and the Savior of the world. Mm -hmm. And today it reads, These last records shall make known to all kindreds and tongues and people that the Lamb of God is the Son of the Eternal Father and the Savior of the world. Now I realize this isn't quite true Christianity as you're, as you're saying, because it's, uh, is that somewhat called modalism yeah, or something? True, but it certainly isn't Mormonism. It isn't Mormonism. And so it, the doctrine was changed. Mm -hmm. And the Book of Mormon was changed to, uh, I guess, make it more, more agreeable to what current Mormon doctrine is. Do you have any idea who made the changes and when Joseph they were Smith made? Joseph Smith changed them probably about between 1835-1838. Um, it was in 1838 that we have the Pearl of Great Price version of his first vision mm -hmm. where he said that he saw, the, saw God the Father and Jesus Christ in 1838. So 
I think, I think the consensus is, and I, I probably should have checked that more carefully, exactly when he made the changes, but it was somewhere between that uh, later 1830 time frame. So while you were reading the Book of Mormon, uh, according to what uh, Mr. Hinckley wanted, you know, suggested that you do, do yeah. these stuck out and jumped well, out of the page at you while yeah, you were had, doing the reading? I had just read, you know, the regular Book of Mormon, and mm -hmm. so to, to read that, it, that he was... Uh, that Jesus was the everlasting Father did stand out, yeah. and it was in First Nephi. So it's mm -hmm. you know you get through First Nephi, you read that quite a bit. Right. Uh, everybody right. starts the Book of Mormon over and over again, and, and gets through First Nephi usually. And, and of course, in Isaiah nine six, it's a Christmas card verse where it says, "Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given." and the, the government will be on his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Um, and it the says, mighty God. The Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Everlasting which Father. is a good Trinity verse in, yes. in Isaiah. And I think it's actually the only place in the Old Testament that Father's mentioned and, and it's in reference to Jesus. In, in kind reference of to the Son, yeah, okay. So, but what's even more surprising, I thought, as I did this study, that really bothered me. <clears throat> But then I started thinking, okay, what else is in the Book of Mormon that would relate to Jesus and the Father and, and the Holy Spirit and all? So, if you will, put these in context as we read them. These are in our current Book of Mormon right now, uh -huh. Mosiah 15, 1 through 4. And now Abinadi said unto them, I would that ye should understand that God himself shall come down among the children of men and shall redeem his people. And he shall, because he dwelleth in the flesh, he shall be called the Son of God, and having subjected the flesh to the will of the Father, being the Father and the Son, the Father because he was conceived by the power of God, and the Son because of the flesh, thus becoming the Father and the Son, and they are one God, yea, the very eternal Father of heaven and earth. It seems fairly clear if you read that simply. It's very clear. That Joseph Smith at this point did not have a concept <clears throat> of two gods or two to individuals, right? So uh, again, a Christian, more of a Christian God concept, mm -hmm. and then this discussion that's been referenced before, but in Alma 11, a discussion between Zeezrom and Amulek, and uh, Zeezrom says to Amulek, "Thou sayest there is a true and living God," and Amulek says, "Yes, there is a true and living God," and Zeezrom said, "Is there more than one God?" And he answered, "No." And Zeezrom said unto him, How knowest thou these things? And he said, An angel hath made them known unto me. Now Zeezrom saith again unto him, Is the Son of God the very eternal Father? And Amulek said unto him, Yea, he is the very eternal Father of heaven and of earth, and all things which in them are. He is the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And he shall come into the world to redeem his people, and he shall take upon him the transgressions of those who believe on his name, and these are they that shall have eternal life, and salvation cometh to none else. Mm. And you know, in the Christian walk, Interesting. our whole concept of the good news, the gospel, is believing, confessing that Jesus is the Christ, that he died and suffered and rose again the third day, and that mm -hmm. is the good news. That's the gospel. And if we believe on his name, it says in the Book of Mormon, we yeah. shall have eternal life. Yeah. So yeah. this was long, this was, of course, in the Book of Mormon, it was some years before Joseph um, 
really added more and more to the to the religion of Mormonism mm -hmm. and changed even this doctrine. And you know what shocked me when I first came across these verses as I was doing my studying in the, in the earlier years of being a Christian was verse 29, 28-29, where Zizum said, Is there more than one God? And he answered, No. Yeah. And I had been raised all my life. To believe, to believe there were many gods and that in order to become a god, you had to live polygamy. Yeah. And that's what we were taught. That's what is in Mormon doctrine, today's Mormon yes. doctrine. And he says, no, there's not more than one god. But now they say in purpose, no, or, or yeah. of this world. I've never read any scripture that ever says that's in right. purpose. It's never. never. Mm -hmm. It's No, nope, that's true. So, and then there was another one in 3 Nephi 11 that was kind of interesting. And again, it just adds to this confusion that I was having over, well, what did Joseph Smith really believe about God? And uh, certainly this, uh, these verses in 3 Nephi 11, everyone, in all LDS would be familiar with this. 3 Nephi 11 is where the Savior comes in the, in presumably to the Americas. And we read this over and over. But this is what it says, if we listen to it real simply. And after this manner shall ye baptize in my name. For behold, verily I say unto you, that the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost are one. And I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the Father and I are one. And thus will the Father bear record of me, and the Holy Ghost will bear record unto him of the Father and me. For the Father and I and the Holy Ghost are one. Mm. You that's know? Trinity. It is. That's, that's yeah. the Trinity. And again, right never in purpose. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and this may be out of sequence for, for you folks, but the, th the three witnesses' testimony said, um, also said at the very, the very last line of the three witnesses in the Book of Mormon that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is one God. Is one God. Not mm -hmm. are one God, but is, is one, one, God. one God. Absolutely. Well, so here I am. I'm, I'm so confused. I'm torn and I'm mulling this over month after month and church meeting after church meeting, kind of thinking, well, now what did Joseph Smith really? Because all of this, as you can well imagine, conflicts with the 1820 vision that we, right. that we call the one in the sacred grove, the first vision, because mm -hmm. there he says he sees God the Father and, and Jesus Christ and right. they come to him. Right. So, this odd little fact, and you kind of have to think of this backwards, but in Luke 10, 22, you know, Joseph Smith went, uh, proceeded <laughs> to make a Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And when he did that, he changed this verse in Luke 10, 22 in a very strange way. It reads right now in our current New Testament, all things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. But in the Joseph Smith translation, he, and this again is about 1832, which is an interesting date because it keeps coming up. In 1832, he writes this in the Joseph Smith translation, All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth that the Son is the Father, and the Father wow. is the Son, but to him whom the Son will reveal it. Again, seemingly more evidence that Joseph Smith believed in a Trinitarian he, God rather than these two individuals, uh, two people. Yeah, I wonder what it was in his life that brought him to believe the lie that we could become gods. 
because there's a definite turnaround here, 180 yeah. degrees on yeah. his belief. Well, he's he's somewhere <clears throat> in the between the 1832 time period and when he died in 1844, he he must have come up with a somehow with a concept that we could become a god, that there were uh, that God was a, was not a spirit like he had said in the lectures of faith. Now, in, when in, was the Pearl of Great Price? where the gods got together and the council of gods got together and organized matter. That was Well, the book of his, Abraham... His, his ideas would be changing at about that point. Yeah, the book of Abraham came, I think, finally in about 18... I'm sorry, about 41, late, 42, 43 in that time frame. Oh, he was working on it earlier, uh -huh. but probably... Eight, and, and then... I know he was working on it through the 1830s, 1835, I was 36. Late 1830s, yeah. but I'm not sure the date. Okay, so... He's not talking about the biblical version of the Trinity, but it certainly isn't the Mormon doctrine well, of three gods in and, the Godhead. And see, the th interesting thing is, Doris, you'd have to understand, being an LDS person uh, for all my life, all these many years, I actually wasn't looking to challenge my testimony of the gospel or mm -hmm, the, the Mormon mm -hmm. church. I had no idea that I was moving eventually to a Christian look at things. Mm -hmm. So my whole concept, this was just, mind-boggling for me. I didn't realize that it wasn't Mormon and it maybe wasn't true Christianity either. It was what they now call modalism or some other yeah, kind of a concept yeah. of God. The only thing I knew is that I had been raised and taught that the Book of Mormon was the Word of God, word for word, uh -huh. that it was trustworthy, and uh, that he had translated it by the power of God, and that he had uh, couldn't move from one word to the next word or phrase until it got it was, it was right, perfect. and then he could move on. Yeah. That's what I'd always been taught. So to read these conflicts and these problems just uh, turned my life upside down. Yeah, I, just, it, it I was is. having a hard time deal, dealing with them. And the thing is, is again, back to the logical look at it, it's not, it's not open to interpretation. I mean, it, it, the Book of Mormon got changed. Mm -hmm, it did. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like, well, Earl, you're just looking at it maybe subjectively or it's not, uh, you know, you're putting your own spin on well, it. Well, words but have it, something to say and yeah. you can read it very clearly what those words are saying. It isn't open to interpretation. Yeah, and then when you see that, those <coughs> kinds of changes and then you see the lectures of faith and then you see the Luke 10, 22 change, mm -hmm. all of those things give me had to have given me the idea that, G, uh, that Joseph Smith believed in a different God. And than that we, he had changed his yeah. views along the way. Well, and then the one that put kind of put me over the top was that the, the Pearl of Great Price you mentioned, the, the 1838 is the date given for that, uh, the version that we have in the Pearl of Great Price the, of the first vision. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. my visions and versions here. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm looking through and seeing, well, what did Joseph Smith write about his first vision back in, in the 1820s or 1830s or whenever, earlier than this 1838, because I know what it says. Well, I find out that about 1965 or so in the church archives, they have a, a record of Joseph, uh, Joseph Smith's first vision. It's the earliest account and it's in his own handwriting. Mm -hmm. It's all acknowledged, and I think everyone agrees that this is in his own handwriting. And this is what this, this says. And I'm not sure we have this on a graphic, so let me just read this. It's a three or four lines we here. We should have his handwriting one. I was filled with the Spirit of God, and the Lord opened the heavens, 
upon me, and I saw the Lord, and he spake unto me, saying, Joseph, my son, thy sins are forgiven thee. Go thy way, walk in my statutes, and keep my commandments. Behold, I am the Lord of glory. I was crucified for the world, that all those who believe on my name may have eternal life. Hmm. Here again, a couple of very important points. One is that he was filled with the Spirit of God. So God, at least in this instance, is a spirit. Uh -huh. Only one person appeared to him, uh -huh. the Lord. Mm -hmm. He also says, uh, of course, his sins are forgiven him, but this person, the Lord of glory, is crucified for the world. And again, all those that believe on my name will have eternal life, which is, sounds more like a grace it versus does. works concept than, does. than the church has now. Mm -hmm. Well, none of this made any sense to me unless I backed up and realized, finally came to the conclusion that Joseph Smith did not have an 1820 first vision because he, at least it, not the one that agreed with or the, uh, is in the Pearl of Great mm -hmm. Price in the mm -hmm. 1838. What's also interesting is that um, uh, in First John 4:24, it says, "No man hath seen God at right. any time." Mm -hmm. And John 4:24, it also says, "God is a spirit." So again, agreeing mm -hmm. with what Joseph Smith originally and mentioned. And First Timothy uh, chapter six, I believe, says that God lives an unapproachable life, who no no man has seen or can see. God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I. Um, and another interesting one, if you'll bear with me, I, I didn't uh, alert you to this one at all. While you're, while you're looking it up, I want to ask you a question. Gordon Hinckley, um, and we've talked about this on the show before, mentioned that the Mormons do not worship the same Jesus, the traditional Jesus, yes. that uh, Christians do. And in May 1977, Bernard Brockbank printed in the Ensign, he also said, quote, it is true that many of the Christian churches worship a different Jesus Christ than is worshiped by the Mormons. What did you think of these statements? And, and that's what we're talking about here. It's a different, off, a different God. What did you think of these statements while you were in the church? And what do you think of them now? Well, to be honest, I was uh, very proud that we believed in a different Jesus. Wow, uh, really? Yeah, I didn't, was. No red flags went up on that at no, all? No. Uh, Jesus was my elder brother. He had come forth and had, had been willing to accept his role as a savior of, my, of, of, of me mm -hmm. in the pre-existence that he had come and he had agreed to come to the earth and take on a body and, and be crucified. So mm -hmm. I was proud to, to, to believe that that was my savior. When you discovered it was different, when you became <laughs> a Christian, what was your reaction? Well, again, it, it's kind of getting back to what I, uh, the initial thought was, well, I think this is the person Joseph Smith believes in. Or th this isn't the person Joseph Smith believed in, in the LDS concept. He uh -huh. believes in a Christian God. Now I realize that Jesus is God. Yeah. That he is. and, and what that does is that it makes his sacrifice and his willingness to come here even greater. More precious, it does. Because he was willing to do something and, and to do what I couldn't do for myself. And uh, you mm -hmm. know, it means everything to me now. Yeah. 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 This little scripture is kind of interesting. It's in Doctrine and Covenants 18, uh, section 84. Interestingly, it's dated 1832 again. I don't oh. know what happened in 1832. <laughs> But this is Joseph Smith's uh, revelation in section 84, verses 21 and 22. 
And without the ordinances thereof and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifest unto men in the flesh. So you have to have priesthood ah, to have this stuff ordained. That's right. For without this, no man can see the face of God, even the Father, and mm -hmm. live. Mm -hmm. Now, he wrote this in 1832. He presumably got the priesthood in 1829. He should not have been able to see God the Father in 1820. That's right. So I don't know how this all works. That's absolutely right. I'm just more and more convinced as I analyzed it, I thought through it, I prayed, I studied, I fasted, I did everything that I to reconcile these kinds of problems. They just didn't make sense. I became more and more convinced that Joseph Smith was not telling the truth. About 1820, the Book of Mormon got changed so that it made things more clear. Mm -hmm. um, I just couldn't trust it anymore. Uh, and the whole issue with the Book of Mormon is that it is supposed to be the, the most perfect book that had ever been yeah. given to man and that you would get closer to God than any other book on the planet if yeah. you would read it. And yet it's filled with thousands of changes. Some of them are, are just punctuation and, and yeah. grammar, but still, God, doesn't God have good grammar? Well, I always thought it was... UTLM.org has identified like 3,900 changes in the Book of Mormon, and a lot of them, as you say, are punctuation. And I was always willing to give the, the printer's problems or anything else that kind of benefit, you know, the benefit of the doubt, is, are, was, were, which, and who, and those kinds of grammatical, and that probably mm -hmm. makes up most of the 3,900. Mm -hmm. But there were some serious doctrinal changes there, that occurred. Well, we saw some of these that are doctrinal yeah. changes. Well, we need to uh, go to a break right now. Uh, we are going to open up our telephone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. We'd love it if you'd like to call in and weigh in on some of this uh, conversation. And uh, right now we do uh, have a message that we'd like to share with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at TV at aboutpolygamy.com. You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy, where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism. We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area. For more details about time and place, call us toll free at 877-425-9993 or email us at TV at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, 
Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. We are uh, interviewing former Bishop Earl Erskine uh, tonight as he discusses some of the challenges that he found in uh, the contradictions of the 1830 Book of Mormon and the present day uh, Book of Mormon scriptures. Um, and as we go through some of these scriptures, I would really like to remind our viewers that polygamists believe the same thing about God that the early Mormons taught. Um, they were taught, the polygamists believe that there are many gods. They believe that living polygamy secures your future godhood. They believe that and teach that you must live polygamy in order to become a god. They believe like the Mormons do that God was once a man and that man can become gods, which unfortunately is exactly the same lie that the serpent told Eve in the Garden of Eden. They believe that God is married and has billions of children and will have eternal increase, uh, which means that he'll have babies, children forever into affinity, and that the Mormon uh, fundamentalists believe all of these things that uh, the Mormons believe about God, that Joseph Smith taught about God later, not early, but later, they thrive. The Mormon fundamentalists thrive on Mormon doctrine. And so this is all extremely relevant for our culture, whether it's the polygamy side of the culture or the, the mother church side. In in polygamy, the polygamy groups, which Book of Mormon do they use? They do they, they use. Do uh, they take the LDS version. Oh yeah. As it comes mm -hmm. out yeah. each time and I, revised. I brought mine tonight. This is one I had when I was a child. It's a real old one, as you can see. Mm. And I checked some of the scriptures, and it still has the white and delightsome in this one. Okay. It's been changed to pure and delightsome. Pure and delightsome. But it had white and delightsome in well, this. I one. I went back and looked at my missionary. Book of Mormon, and it also still was white and delights, yeah. and that was 1962 edition. Yeah. Then in 1981, it had been changed to pure. I'm not sure when exactly. Probably it right after 78, yeah, because probably. that's when they gave the blacks the priesthood. Yeah. Well, we do have some phone calls waiting here for us, so perhaps we better okay. answer some questions or listen to some comments. Line one, we have Eileen calling. Hello, Eileen. Hi, Doris. Uh, I've got a question for you and Earl. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, the School of the Prophets that Joseph Smith organized, I don't really know why he did it, but I understand that he um, had Jewish rabbis come in and teach them principles, and I'm just wondering if, if that could have been the influence that brought in um, the idea of multiple gods, because the Talmud and the Kabbalah, which you know, are Jewish connected there, even masonry, um, they all teach multiple gods. And I'm just wondering if that, if we could find out when that 
uh, those teachings began to be interjected in the Mormon religion. Is that something that so you're familiar I, with? I'd like to listen to the rest of your program, so maybe I could just let you answer that if you might. Okay, well, thanks, Eileen. We'll, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> I'm not sure thank what you, influence... Doris. I appreciate all the work you do. Well, thank you. Bye. Thanks, uh -huh. Eileen. Good night. I'm not sure exactly all the reasons that the Jewish people came. I know they had uh, many come into the School of the Prophets, and I think presumably, initially at least, it was to teach the Hebrew language because Joseph was interested in translating the, the Bible. I don't know that he ever used any Hebrew to do that. I think it was done through no, inspiration. No, he didn't. Yeah, but he did try to learn other languages, and I think Hebrew was one of those he would want to, would want to learn. Yeah, yeah. But just because <clears throat> somebody from the Jewish faith if I can say that, um, believe that there were multiple gods doesn't mean there's multiple gods because the Bible is very clear there isn't. Yeah, that would surprise so that me that matter. the Jewish people would would have that concept. I, I guess I'm not familiar with that because their Bible, the Old Testament. Uh, well, there's multiple false gods in the yeah, Old Testament, but there's not multiple. But there true was only gods. one God, according to Isaiah, at least. <laughs> oh, and others, you yes. betcha. Yeah. Okay, we have Robert calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Robert. Hi. Hi, you're on the air. Uh, yeah, I was wondering, I'm trying to get out of the LDS Church, and I wrote a letter that says uh, I just wanted to disenroll. At first I wanted to get excommunicated, but then uh, my church member that's in the Christian, true Christian church, said to just write him and ask if you can get disenrolled because you haven't done nothing wrong to be excommunicated. So anyway, I wrote a letter and wanted my name off of it, and they sent me a letter back that they acknowledged the request and said they're going to have uh, the President Bullet of the Salt Lake Granite Park State contact me and uh, says, in view of the eternal consequences of such an action, the brethren urge you to reconsider your request and to prayerfully consider the enclosed statement of the person first presidency and they sent me a little uh, folder here that says that I'd have consequences if I leave the church uh -huh. and this is an invitation to come back and I just want to get me and my family out of it and just what can I do to get out of it permanently <laughs> well you can't you could al always get excommunicated by teaching uh, a, a, be an apostate that's one way of doing it <laughs> but I do think you can send a letter in and, and there are forms I think and I don't know to if I should say uh, different websites but there are UTLM and, uh -huh. and mm -hmm. other websites you that you can go to that to get more official letter lettering and and just and it tells them that they shouldn't be contacting you and that you want your name removed and, and 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 you might want to put in there the urgency uh, on your part that you just want it taken care of and taken. That's, that's what I wrote him. I wrote him that I wanted to get out as soon as possible and to do a quick, you know, release mm -hmm. and no contact. And mm -hmm. this is what they sent me. And then an invitation folder here to come back with a, I guess, a statue of their Jesus. Oh, oh they don't ever honor the the no contact. I've never heard that they ever did. Oh. On the first, at least on the first go round. Oh, yeah, and I'm very serious about getting out of it because yeah. I don't believe it. Yeah, just just write them back again and tell them that, um, you know, there, there's just no turning back and, and be very firm on it and it'll happen. But sometimes okay. it's slower than you want. 
All right. Yeah, well, well, I need to get out of it. I, I haven't been good. active in it for 35 good. years. Good. And if you want some information about how to find a, a good church, let us know. We'd be happy to help you. Okay. Thank you so be much. Sh be sure to do that. Uh, is it Jim or Robert? Uh, Robert, uh, be sure not to, to have a, to feel alone or anything. Yeah. There, there are people out there that have gone through this and they care. Open up the Bible and trust in Jesus. Yeah. Yes, I, I've been listening to a preacher on the morning on TV, uh, Shepherd's Chapel, and he's a great man for just reading the Bible, and he reads verse by verse and chapter by chapter, and I've been listening to that, and I've also found me a Christian church, a Baptist. Good. 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 Well, thanks for calling, Robert. Thank you so much. We appreciate your call. Well, thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Bye. Okay, we have line three, Jim in Sandy. Hello, Jim. Yes. Hi, Doris. How are you? Well, I'm just great. How are you? Okay. <laughs> Bishop Earl. Yes. Congratulations on turning to, to the true Jesus Christ of the and, Bible, uh, <laughs> and welcome to the family of God. Thank you. It's been a great journey. Uh, I had one little uh, thing I don't think you mentioned earlier in your, your program about uh, Jesus being one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Uh, another reference? Second Nephi 31.21. It's still in the modern version. Second if you wanted to read that, that would be uh, fantastic. I will. Thank so you. I'll give you a real short synopsis of it. It says, And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, and the Holy Ghost, which is one God, Amen. Yeah. That kind of ended the whole thing. No in purpose or anything added to it. Mm -hmm. That's great. It, it, well, it, uh... In closing with you, I'd just like to say, uh, if I can tear my eyes away from our Lord, I'd love to shake your hand in glory sometime. I look forward to that. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Thanks for okay. sharing with us. Thanks. Yeah, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Uh, uh -huh. Good night. Okay, so you wrote down that scripture. To, I did. It's just a, more that we've Another found one of, on the same. Another one of one thing. God. Mm -hmm. Okay, Russell calling from Brigham City. Hello, Russell. Russell. Hi, uh, Doris. Yes. Uh, I want you to know you're sitting next to a very talented um, landscape painter. Oh, really? You didn't know that, did you? No, I didn't. Hi, no, Russ. we'll Hi Russell. Have, we'll have to have proof <laughs> hey. of that. <laughs> and I have a question. I have a question for Earl. I wanted to know if you'd comment a little bit on his um, the excommunication process. I think he went through. Yes, I did. Uh, the state presidency called me in, and uh, my wife and I went to a, a court and were excommunicated. Did you want uh, more detail? We uh, well, one of the things that was funny how did they let you explain your situation? Yeah, that's all? what I, I was going to say. Uh, when we before we walked in, they told us that we were uh, not to say anything, to not share any thoughts. Oh, really? No freedom of speech no here. No freedom huh? of speech. It's interesting. I. Well, I won't say that. But uh, anyway, we, we were told not to say anything. So we, we were just to answer questions. And there were several about Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith, uh, modern prophets, and so on. And of course, we answered in the negative that we didn't believe anymore. And, um, but then later, about two or three weeks later, I sent everyone on the high council and the state presidency a, uh, a letter and told them that I had been kind of stifled in being able to share. Mm -hmm. So I went ahead and, and shared with them my thoughts. Good, um, good, so. great. 
Great. Yep. So thanks, Russell. That was uh, appreciate no, thanks. that. Thanks. I hope I didn't put you on the spot. Or no, open. not at all. Uh, not at all. It was nice to hear the details. Yeah. Did you get any response from your? I haven't heard from anybody yet. No. Mm -hmm. uh, well, actually, I did. The first, the first counselor in the stake presidency, who had just recently been released, invited us over to his home, and we were able to share a little mm. bit with him and uh, witness to him a little bit. And I, I don't know, but hopefully planted a seed. Hopefully. Yeah. Absolutely. Hopefully. Well, thank you, Russell, for calling. You bet. Yeah. See you soon. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, when when you were on the show last time, and we talked about um, about that, nobody had done anything or said anything to you about this apostasy that you were getting into here. Right. And, yeah, I actually so said that happened. no one had contacted me, but yeah. but uh, after the show, and then of course the the uh, 17 minutes that I did with uh, on Heart of the Matter, then mm -hmm. that started becoming more out there, I guess, and they saw it and felt like they needed to take some to do action. Something. So, yeah. By the way, this Russell is is a premier uh, landscape painter. So, oh. <laughs> any compliment from him is is, is tremendous. <laughs> okay, we have Joe calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Joe. Yeah, this is Joe. Yes, Joe, you're on hey, the. You yes, ma'am. Yes, I uh, listen to your program, and uh, I wondered if you two might ponder. I've, the bishop there, the former bishop and you. But, you know, I taught myself about the Book of Mormon. I was a you know, Methodist, and uh, uh, I taught myself about the Book of Mormon. I was baptized in 1989. And, uh, you know, I've, you know, I've had some uh, uh, issues with the church, basically about the people here in Salt Lake not being as friendly as where I grew up. But I also, you have to take a look at the Mormon church, and uh, like Jesus said, the, the proof is in the pudding. If you look at the Mormon church and the, and the fruit that it's produced, which is worldwide, and thousands and millions of members now, now if you people tell people not to join the Mormon church and it's not the right way to go, what what are you going to offer them uh, as a you know where are these people going to go? Have you looked at the denominations? I turn on the TV and see all these preachers asking for money and uh, leading all these people astray. Look at that Jones thing over in Africa where he sent all the people over there and deceived them. I mean, if you're going to denounce the Mormon Church, then what you know you've got a tremendous responsibility as to where are all these people going to go for their faith okay. and for their pathway back to God. Okay, Joe, um, let, me, let me answer it very, very concisely. There's only one place to go, and that's Jesus Christ. Denominations don't count. Church no, doesn't send you to heaven. There is nothing anybody can do that's going to add to what Jesus Christ did. And that's what we do on this show every week is we point people to Jesus, not to church but to Jesus Christ. Well, I think that's tremendous. And uh, the part about the polygamy, I think you're absolutely right. I don't, uh, you know, uh, that's something that I've searched and searched and searched about. But uh, I think that was God's will. Now, the members of the church that, that went off and they, the Mormon church righted itself. They stopped that. Joe. Joe, that went and did that. Joe, I mean, they're total chaos okay, right now. Joe, so let, I me, agree, that's wrong. let me explain something to you, Joe. 
if polygamy was right during the days of Joseph Smith, then it's right today. If it was, if polygamy is wrong today, then it was wrong during the days of Joseph Smith because God's moral standard never changes. Now, you wanted to say something about turning people to a different... Well, I wanted Joe to understand. I think one of the terrible things about our, our closed-knit culture here in the LDS Church is that we have no concept that there's a wonderful organization of Christians out there. Mm -hmm. They fellowship, they have youth programs, they have children's programs, they care about each other. And of course, people, people are human and they take advantage. And if they can make a fast buck, uh, some do that. But that's, uh, I guess, the freedom that they feel like they have. But I think the Mormons just don't understand that there's a wonderful mm -hmm. culture out there mm -hmm. of Christian people. Th that believe in the Bible and, and study right. the Bible and follow the precepts of the Bible. Right. Okay, Joe, thanks for calling. Okay, you guys uh -huh. have a good night. Thank thanks. you. Mm -hmm. Okay, we have two calls here from, from Wyoming. Um, the first one is Jim in Kimmerer, Wyoming. Hello, Jim. Hey, Doris. How are you doing this evening? Wonderful, thank you. Good. And nice to see you there, Bishop. Thank you. <laughs> I was just, uh, I was curious, have you ever heard of Howard Stern's Baba Bowie's Biblical Church of Jesus Christ? That sounds like a joke, Jim. <laughs> no, no, that's not a joke. That's a true story. Howard there. Stern would not be somebody I would probably follow too far. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? What, what's the reason for your call, sir? Did, you're not staying on topic. Well, I am on topic. It's it's the same kind of BS that you're preaching tonight. Good night. Okay, Wayne in Pinedale, Wyoming. Let's hope this guy in Wyoming has a little better question. Hello, Wayne. Hi. Hello. What's your question? Um, I didn't really have a question. We had a previous caller that was wondering about um, getting out of the Mormon church without being excommunicated. Uh, I recently went through that, and what I did was uh, notified the church that I wanted my name removed from the records, uh, which they sent me the same letter that he got, saying that there would be eternal consequences in that. Uh, but through that process, um, they set up an interview with my bishop here at my local church, which I went to. Uh, I took it as an opportunity to uh, testify to the Lord, and uh, after that interview, uh, he sent a letter back to Salt Lake with a recommendation that my name get removed, in which it did. They sent me a confirmation letter. Mm -hmm. uh, after I had done that, uh, to confirm that my name had been removed from the Mormon church record. So I just want to let uh, your previous caller know that if he goes through that process, goes through that interview, that it will happen. It takes a while, but it does happen. Okay. So, Thanks. That's good. good to know. Yeah, thanks for calling in and letting, letting him hear. And who, who knows who else is listening that needed to hear that as well. Right. Yep. Okay, great. Thank it's you. Really simple process. I just, uh, yeah, it's just time it takes consuming. a while and uh, patience perseveres. So. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm uh, happy to know that there's uh, other LDS people trying to get out of the church, and that's the way that I went through mm -hmm. to get out of there. So. Okay, well, thank you, Wayne, and congratulations. <laughs> okay, good night. Okay, we, we're getting, you know, winding down to yeah. the end. Do you, do you have something you'd like to share that take a couple more minutes? Yeah, actually, I, I did have this Joseph Smith letter. Would this take too long, do you think? Uh, Joseph Smith wrote a letter to Oliver Cowdery back in 1829, 
And uh, if we have that on the graphic, it says, I bought a horse of, jo of Mr. Stoll and want someone to come after it as soon as convenient. Mr. Stoll has a prospect of getting five or six hundred dollars. He does not know certain he can get it, but he is a going to try. Focus on the a going there. A going to try. So in the 1830 Book of Mormon, there are several references that uh, follow the same kind of little pattern. He found Mulek a preaching, had been a preparing the minds. Moroni was a coming against them, as Ammon and Lamoni was a journeying and I think Alma met the sons of Mosiah a journeying toward the land of Zarahemla. So that now, was that now, was I don't know if this his is way he was his his, his way of talking. I, I said I, I don't know whether this is something that everybody in Palmyra was a saying and a doing, <laughs> but I don't think God talks that, like that. That was the way they were a talking, huh? <laughs> so it sounds to me like a, another little glitch in Joseph Smith's. Uh, but it's changed. They, the they, they have changed, changed it, it and they've taken all the uhs out. So yeah, okay. interesting. And then very quickly too, in Second Nephi chapter 30, verse 6, 1830, uh, it said in, um, uh, well, it'd be Second Nephi 36, that the scales of darkness shall begin to fall from their eyes and many generations shall not pass away among them, save they shall be a white and delightsome people, and we talked about that briefly a little and bit earlier. To, to pure and and they changed it to they shall be a pure and delightsome yeah. people. And then, of course, Spencer Kimball in 1960 remarked that the Indian children in the home placement program in Utah are often lighter than their brothers and sisters in the Hogan's on the reservation. Now that's a very racist remark, yeah. very slanderous. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's bad to, to <laughs> go is. back and read that now, but yeah. that's the way they vote. And the polygamy groups, I need to say this, the polygamy groups are as racist, and I can't talk for individuals, but the groups are racist just like they were are back they really? in those days. Yeah. And because they hang on to original fundamental Mormon doctrine. Wow. Well, it's sad. I have this little quote of Joseph Fielding Smith. I won't read it all, but it says that there were no changes. Uh, he says that there were a few thousand minor changes, but he says there's, or, or no, he's, I'm sorry. He says the enemies of the church and the Book of Mormon say there have been thousands of changes, but he says there's no truth in that statement. Huh. There were a few errors, but no changes of doctrine. And we've just proven that there was changes of a doctrine. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for we, having me. We, I appreciate it. We appreciate the callers who called in. And I'd like to mention that tonight uh, in Titus chapter 1 verse 4 talks about our common faith. And in Jude 3 it talks about our common salvation. Now this common faith and common salvation is referring to the fact that all people who receive eternal life share the same eternal life in the same eternal heaven. There are no favorites with God and no upper and lower and middle levels of heaven. Any belief system that does not follow or accept this common faith to the common salvation has it wrong and we know that because Jesus said so. He said if anyone tries to get there any other way they are thieves and robbers and if you don't believe this it's because you don't belong to Jesus and they find that in John 10:26. This common faith is the only faith that results in eternal life. This faith does not include faith in the church we belong to or faith in the works we do or don't do or faith in, in marriage or non-marriage or in polygamy. When the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the Savior, that means that there is nothing else anyone can do ever in any quantity or any quality to gain eternal life for themselves or to add to it. Jesus would not be the Savior if something or someone 
one else had any input in it whatsoever. It really doesn't matter what you believe you must do. The truth is the truth and it remains the truth and will be the truth and will not conform to pluralistic beliefs. God wants everything who's listening to this message to know the truth and to repent and turn to Jesus Christ alone for salvation and repent means to turn from your way and go God's way. Once you enter the common faith and together with all believers, we will share eternal life with Jesus Christ our Lord for eternity and dwell in God's presence forever and we sure do hope we'll see you there. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.